0: Understanding Addiction, Season 1, Episode 5, Rock Bottom. Hi, I'm Chris, I'm an addict. It's so good to have you with me again and it's just really encouraging to get some of the messages I've been getting that have just encouraged me in what I am doing and I hope that these podcasts are going to be helping you or somebody you know that needs to hear and understand really what addiction is all about. I've got a message from Daniel, who's in Kenya, who sent me a message of encouragement about the podcast, which he's been listening to. Let's hear from Daniel. Hello,
1: good evening from Kenya. This is Pastor Daniel. I want to thank God because of uh, meeting Brother Chris here. Yes, addiction is a disease. People are in bondage here in Kenya. They need to be delivered. They need to be taught the way out to come out of this bondage and to come out of this disease. I know that by the help of God, we are going to join hands and help people to recover. God bless Brother Chris for this great vision. Thank you very much. May God use you to reach out and touch his people and change their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Amen.
0: Daniel, thank you so much. Um, I love getting these messages and it means a lot to me. And uh, so where I'm going to go from here is I'm going to start on the subject of this uh, podcast and that is rock bottom. So let's get into understanding what really rock bottom is and if there's a definition, I've I've got one here. The definition of rock bottom is a concept that means something different to each and every addict. Generally, rock bottom refers to a time or an event in life that causes an addict to reach the lowest possible point of their disease. It is a time when the person feels like things just can't get any worse for them. Their life has become so damaged, so badly, that it seems like there is nothing good left to destroy. So how do you know when you've hit your rock bottom? How do you know when you're ready, when you've really done it? When you've hit that place, rock bottom? Put it this way, if you're still alive and you've got to the place where you just have had enough and you just can't go on, however deep you've got yourself into it, and truly ready to ask for help. And once you get help, are willing to make every effort to get well. Only then are you ready to take certain steps that will help you start your journey of recovery. And here's the good news. Whether you're an active addict, regardless of what addiction is gripping you, you have the freedom to take back your life and live a productive, happy addiction free life. Rock bottom is different for everybody. It's when you realise you're done, that you've become helpless and hopeless. Some people hit rock bottom very quickly, soon after they realise that they're in the grip of addiction, that they are no longer in control of their lives, and that it is affecting obviously them, but also those around them. Those are the ones that can sometimes just walk away, brush themselves off with minimal effects to their lives and that they can carry on from there. What I do know is that addiction, the tiger, once you have hit your rock bottom and have turned around and started your remission, the tiger will still continue to grow inside. I know my tiger is sleeping, but it's growing every day. And waiting to grab me. But again, that might never happen. And the tiger might well continue to sleep, but that's up to me. Those are the choices I need to make in not only
1: understanding
0: my disease and my illness, but giving me the choice to stay clean or not. I have that choice. And I have the choice and understanding what lifestyle I must live to maintain that remission. So I'm gonna take us on a journey today about stages that we need to get to as active addicts as I did to be able to first of all recognize that we have a problem and two, to know when you've had enough. It's a process that I wanna go through steadily and hope that my explanation of my journey and what I've seen with many others will help you. It seems like a really difficult thing to answer, but how, how did I get to the point where I realized that the choices I had made were my responsibility and stopped blaming everybody else around me? I needed to understand what brought me to this place where I had lost everything. What was it? What had happened? What was the, the, the events in my life that had brought me to this place. I needed to understand that, and to understand that it was those circumstances that had brought me to this place where I was now an active addict. And to realize that those circumstances were life. Those are what happens. We don't have the perfect life. Things are going to happen. The difference was I needed to accept because I couldn't understand what had happened to me, I then fell back onto something that allowed me to dumb out from reality of my past that was really now affecting me in the present. I had lost control of my life. I had lost control of my behavior. I had lost control of the relationship I had with my friends and my family, who I blamed for where I had got to. I blamed my family and my friends. And above all, I had lost any spirit in me. Emotionally, I was completely empty, spiritually empty, physically empty. I was a shell of hopelessness and helplessness. I cared about nobody else except myself. I really felt nobody understood me. Nobody understood me. Nobody understood where I was at. I was angry, bitter, resentful, self-centered, I was a self-centred, dead man walking. Nobody understood me. Nobody wanted me. Nobody loved me. And I could not see what I have done to my friends or family because it was all their fault. So what friends did I have? Well, (laughs) the friends that I had were all my using friends, my connections. They were my best friends. And I thought they were the best thing that ever happened. In fact, we all thought we were the best things that happened because we were all in the same boat together. At the end of the day, we just all felt we were outcasts from our family and friends, our original family and friends. And I'll never forget the time when we were waiting for a dealer in somebody's house to come and drop off the day's day's order, put it that way. The awful thing of all my using friends waiting with me Uh, in this house and the mood was tense, Uh, it was agitated, there was fearful, there was anxiety, and every time the phone rang we all sort of jumped and looked at the phone and somebody picked it up and wondering if that was the dealer answering, uh, I mean ringing to say he's on his way. And then often now and again we hear the footsteps of somebody coming to the front door or walking past the front door, we think it's him and we all look at the front door and then that person moves by and then suddenly one moment that doorbell rings and the guy walks in and in he walks and everybody's mood is just suddenly changed into joy and laughter and a sense of relief that we've managed to get the dealer here. We've got the drugs, we've got what we need and everybody's hugging each other. and The whole mood has changed because somebody walked into the room because he had the substance that we needed. It's a heck of a way to live. And after a while, when we've taken our drugs, we go into our stupors, uh, which was because I was on heroin. And we sort of go off into a place of, uh, of just dumbing out again. And the pain and anxiety and fear had gone until tomorrow. Tomorrow was never an issue then. I was able to drug myself into a place of artificial peace freedom from the world and everything that it was until tomorrow came and then it would all start again that was how i existed towards the end i was using every half hour just to stay straight and to be free from this from the withdrawals mainly but also from this dumbing out but Every time I took it, it became less and less and less because my tolerance just began to get greater and greater. And I was having to use more and more to try and get the same effect as I had the first time, which never happens. Towards the end, I was just living to use and use to live. And that, that really was my complete and total life. I was being controlled and run my daily lives by this need that kept demanding more and more and more. I knew that I had got into a place where I, at that point in time, could not see a way out. And I just accepted it as this is life, this is the way of life I'm going to have to live. I had to do something every single day to survive and feed my addiction. This is where my life had got to me. I had lost everything. I had um, literally ended up sleeping in all night cinemas with all the other drunks and addicts all night. And that's where we ended up. And they would have their bottles and brown paper bags. uh, They would have their syringes and I would have my, um, my heroin, which I smoked. And I would use every half hour just to maintain or to get some sleep. And I still thought that all those people in that cinema were worse than me and justified why I wasn't that bad. But things were really crashing down around me very, very quickly. And I began to think that there was only one way out, and that was not to live anymore. Anyway, things began to change. Soon after that, my sister Uh, was one of the only members of my family because the rest of my family were in denial that I would be possibly a drug addict. My father was a judge, for goodness sake. He, He put people away like me, but he didn't see it. He didn't want to see it. My mother didn't want to see it. They just thought I was hanging around with the wrong people. And my younger sister, had friends of hers who had come out of addiction, uh, in a rehab, been able to face these situations and start a journey uh, of remission. She contacted me one day, even though I had rejected her because I felt that she was judging me. She accused me of obviously stealing from her and that pushed a huge gap between me and her because I just felt that she She was just know-it-all. But however, she still approached me to say, if you want help, I want you to ring this friend. She left it to me to make the decision of whether I was prepared to meet this friend of hers who used to be an active addict. I took this number from my sister, and by the way, I, I had stolen from her, but I just wasn't prepared to admit it because I was just so riddled with anger and justifying to myself why I stole from her. I went to call this friend of hers and she invited me round to her house. She was not what I expected. She looked really well and she seemed to really understand for the first time where I was at. she, she it was almost as if she had been there herself. The fact is, she had. So I listened to her she, she never judged me, never, never judged me. And she showed me compassion, which I hadn't seen for a long time. But I was in such a bad place. I had, I had no feelings. All my feelings had been dumbed out. So I, I just listened. But there was something that told me this was the right person to speak to because she was clean. She, was, she had gone into remission of her addiction. So she gave me a phone number of a rehab. I took it and she said, if you want to start your journey, come with me tonight and I will take you to a meeting where you will see other recovering addicts like myself. I was very suspicious, but I did go. I went to this meeting. I walked in, I, I, I was just so aware of myself and what people were gonna think of me. When I walked in, everybody was looking so well. I thought I'd walked into the wrong meeting. These people couldn't possibly be addicts. They, they're all laughing and they're all happy and they're, and they're, and they're being so nice to me. And I, I, I always thought when people were nice to me, they, had, they wanted something from me. Um, this girl who took me sat me down and said, just listen and just be open-minded. So I did. And there was somebody who spoke at the meeting. He was what is known now, I know, as a key speaker now. He spoke about stuff that, yeah, a lot of that was stuff I could identify with. He was talking about how he was now one year clean. And I thought, this is amazing. This is really amazing. And then afterwards, a lot of people came up to me and said, well done, well done. And I'm going, well done for what? And they said, well done, that you have been brave and courageous enough to come into these rooms and admit that you are powerless over your addiction. And I said, I've admitted nothing. And they said, no, but just being here is a good start. But I realized from the people there and the speaker who was there, that yes, I had admitted in recognizing my addiction through that speaker that I had a problem. And they were just so good people. They were really, really good people. They weren't, there was no agenda. I didn't even know half of them. In fact, I knew none of them except the girl who brought me. Then the journey began and I rang up the rehab. There is a story in that, but I'm not gonna go down too much of that. But I I went to the rehab. My sister, again, drove me all the way down there. Uh, which was about a three-hour drive. Needless to say, we had to stop off at most of the petrol stations on the way down. I was telling my sister that I had a runny tummy, but in fact, every single time I was just going in to go and use, just to cope with what I was doing. And I was so scared about where I was going and that I had taken this decision, but I just felt it was the right place to go. But had I hit my rock bottom, had I really hit my rock bottom, I don't know, but I was going there, so I went. I don't think when I walked into that rehab, I had really actually hit my rock bottom, though it seems insane. I had lost everything, but I still think that I, I, I didn't see fully that I had a problem. I thought I could control this. I needed to get to that rock bottom place, and whether I was gonna get it there or not, I didn't know what was coming. And uh, I needed to get to a place where my personal journey, of recovery was going to begin and I had no idea if this was this was it I just thought I'll do my time here and I'll be clean and then I'll start my life and all the rest of it I had no idea of what was going to happen so I was put on detox and soon after uh, I came off the detox I um, I was going through very 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 hectic withdrawals uh, but being monitored by the rehab and I, I couldn't sleep for 10 days I, I was it's just that the need and the craving and the the power of this grip was just trying to take every bit out of me for the last time in that process I had an emotional breakdown because suddenly all the feelings that I hadn't felt for for six or seven years just came streaming back in one time all my Anxiety, my fears, my everything came back i didn 't know how to cope with it, and so I went into a, an emotional breakdown of which I was looked after by the rehab to get back, um, and they had to put me on a on a small medication just to calm me down. but I was in a place where i hadn 't slept for ten days. I was emotionally finished, I was broken, I was completely broken, and I remember. In the, in the last of those 10 days of not sleeping, I went into the chapel of the rehab, and I, and I just had to have peace. I had to get away from this, This I don't know what it was, but it was just hectic in my mind at that time. I just was not coping, I was, bra- I was crashing. And I found a place, I was cold, I was freezing, and I was, oh, the, my body was in such pain. And there was a beam of sunlight coming through uh, a stained glass window in the chapel. And I went and sat in that beam of light from the sun just to keep warm. And I remember just sitting there in this sunlight and just going, how did I get here? How, how did I end up here? How did, I, how did I, What happened? my rock bottom started to completely happen there and then. I realized that my life was a mess, and that I no longer had the ability to control anything in my life. My life was finished. And and the most extraordinary thing, because I was an atheist at that time, and, and I just got down on my knees, and I got down on my knees, and I said, I don't know who you are. I don't know. And I don't know why I'm here. But if you're real, and you really are real, just take this pain, this physical and mental pain away from me. Just take this pain, this emotional pain away from me, this bodily pain, just let me sleep and I sat there for a while and then I got up and I left that chapel thinking, well that was a waste of time because I didn't feel any different. But what actually happened then was that night I did get my first hour's sleep. It was like a night's sleep. And slowly over the next few days, I began to get more and more sleep every night. But the most extraordinary thing had happened which Looking back, I, I can see it very clearly. From that moment onwards, I never had another craving again. My physical pain was diminishing so fast. My spirit just seemed to spark. It's like a lighter beginning to light a flame again. It was. It was. I remember it so clearly. And that's where I believe I hit my rock bottom, and where my journey of recovery began to start. This extraordinary thing of looking back and not seeing that my, uh, and, and not having another craving again was very clear. But one thing I did know was I was still an addict. I still have from then to now the disease of addiction. The difference is my tiger, my disease is sleeping at the moment. But I recognise it, and I see it, and I know what it looks like. And I know how to keep it asleep, because that's what I've chosen to do. And I've done that with the 12-step programme that I'm going to show you in Series 2. I've never looked back from that time. I have good days and I have bad days. It's nothing like those days when I was an active addict. The difference being, I know how to live with this disease, I know how to live with it. Today, it sounds really strange, I am so grateful that I am an addict, a recovering addict, an addict in remission, because it's taught me more about me and my behavior and my ability to live a life that is more than I ever expected. I am free, I have a life that I have gone forward in and realized that I am a somebody, I have something to offer, I am worth something. And I thank my God for that, my higher power, my Jesus Christ, that I have the ability to know who I am and the purpose I have in this world. Although rock bottom sounds really scary, it is the most amazing thing looking back on it. I remember quite clearly from that moment onwards, from that chapel and the months that have progressed from there, I just look back at that particular time and realize that a whole weight had come off my shoulders, that I had recognized what had happened to me. I didn't I didn't have to defend it anymore. I just knew that I had had enough and I got to a place where I had no option but to start dealing with this disease. And it was a massive relief, massive. And it has been the biggest step I think I've ever taken in my life. And my life has only got better from there. And I just thank God for that, for that time that I was with him, even though I didn't know him. He put his arms round me and said, I've got this, and he had. And it is that relationship that I now have with my higher power, Jesus Christ, that has just progressed on and on and on. The other thing, which is quite incredible, uh, even though I got on my knees uh, and asked uh, God, which I said, if you exist, help me, and he did, was I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ as I have him now for a further 15 years of my recovery. I will tell you that I became agnostic because I believed in a power greater than myself. But then, 15 years later, my higher power revealed himself to me. And believe you me, wow, that I didn't see coming. And it has completely and totally changed my life. I hope my stories and everything that I'm telling you will encourage you to turn around and meet a higher power that loves you so much as he continues to love me unconditionally. One thing I do know, he has given me freedom and he's given me life. So that's it for this week. Um, And I hope that you will continue to send me messages on my WhatsApp 076-464-2098 I look forward to hearing from you. It is so encouraging to get your messages. And so please just send me a typed or a voice message. I'd just love to know your, your thoughts on, on where we're going and if it's helped you or if you've got any suggestions to make this any better. So without further ado, um, as I said uh, in the last podcast, um, and I gave you a teaser, I've got William who's going to share a bit about the um, behavior of addiction and his journey of uh, where he was hopeless and helpless and where he is today and what he's recognized. So, William,
1: over to you, my mate. Hi, everyone. I'm William. I'm an addict. I'm just going to share a little bit of my story and speak to you about my behavior as an addict and where I am now today. You see at the age of 13 I started using marijuana and got involved in gangsterism and abusing people that's the only thing I know um, of loving life mugging people robbing stealing cheating and that's the way I lived life for a couple of years and at the age of eighteen I seventeen I started using meth and mandrax and everything else was addicted to alcohol and and still i went on with it with that lifestyle and was in jail for a couple of times and so the last sentence um i got probation eight years probation and and I was very lucky, because I should have got, got a 12-year prison sentence, but the Lord was so grateful for me. And there was a time when I came out of prison, um, um, so my family was just fed up with me, because I hurt them the most. I didn't have respect for them. My mother, I've got married nine years ago and and i was very verbal abusive towards my wife and my children and and like um we almost got divorced but it's by god grace that i still have them in my life today and so yeah but i've lost everything i couldn't go to to my house couldn't see my children because there was court orders filed against me if I came near the house then they would phone the police so I slept on the street for a couple of years didn't have clothes to wear and and yeah that's when I when I hit my rock bottom when I had nothing no friends cause my friends were only there for me when when I had stuff. And when I had nothing, um, nobody was there for me. They won't even give me a place to sleep, so... I slept for three years, almost three years, I slept on the street outside in the bushes, wherever I could find a place to sleep, or whenever I was tired. Because the drugs kept me awake for about Three weeks and after three weeks my body would just shut down and I slept wherever I could sleep. But one day I just, I just thought I couldn't live this life anymore of lying, cheating, stealing, manipulating, breaking into houses. And I just said, Lord, if you were there, I need your help. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this on my own, so I really need help. And the Lord came through for me. I went to a rehab, and that's where I've met Chris after my my third week in rehab, and he started a program there, the recovery course. And and for me, I I did anything to get my drugs to. I did everything to get what I want when I was using. And I just told myself, um, I'm going to do everything to make this work. Because recovery, I'm doing this for me, not for anyone else. I'm doing this for me on my own. So this is a battle that I'm going to fight for the rest of my life of this disease of addiction cause. I've learned in the recovery course that addiction is a disease and that we must just love and, and and do it one day at a time. And so I I gave my best to the program and and <clears throat> after a month or so um as an addict I, I as an using addict I, I didn't have emotions. So I never showed any emotions, angry at all times. And and while I was getting sober in the um just one day boom all my I've got my emotions back and I was crying a lot in church when we had <coughs> excuse me, when we had meetings. And when I, when I started to share or started to talk, then I would just cry. And I think that was how God was working inside of me. Yeah, and, and today I'm, I'm very grateful for who I am, what I have become, because now I am enjoying life, living sober, no drugs, no alcohol. And, and to be here and... And a role model for my children and for a lot of kids, a lot of youth, sharing my testimony in every school where I where I can go into and in a lot of churches. So I'm not ashamed where I was in life, what I've done and and I'm not ashamed of sharing my story. But I'm just grateful to God for where I am today and and to make a, a change in, in in other people's life and and of course for me it isn't as, as a drug dealer um I live in a small town small community and and a lot of people know me who I was when I was a, an active addict and and Coming out of rehab, they they would ask me where I was. A lot of them thought I was in prison, but I just went to rehab, and my family found out after a month I was in rehab. Everybody thought that I was in prison, but yeah, I'm just just grateful, and 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 how God is using me today as a recovering addict to show other addicts there is a way out. Cause I'm 36 years old today and, and found recovery at the age of 34. I'm two years and a few months clean and sober. And it's never too late because I, I know if I would relive then I would never make it back. There's no recovery left for me. This time I would really die because a lot of my friends, they died in front of me. Two of them died in front of me while we while we were smoking together, and and it could have been me. But God had His hand over me, and and there's a lot of times then where I thought and and, and asked myself, and ask God why why not me? Why not me, Lord? But I know God had a plan for me, and. Just to make a change and, and to encourage, encourage other addicts, not to give up, you know. Um, um There's no scripture in the Bible that say um, um it's going to be easy, it will be easy, but there's a lot of scriptures that say if you have faith and you believe that it is worth it, then you will get it, you must just believe. And to families of addicts out there, keep on praying for your children, keep on praying Praying for your, your loved ones and and never give up. Don't don't lose hope, you know. And as addicts out there listening to my message, um, um if you want to change just start by at with step one admit you have a problem and just give you all you know cause goes I found recovery at the age of 34 and 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 it's the best thing I could have done for me. Living and enjoying life so over so I wish you all the best and to every addict out there, know that you can, you are loved, you are not alone and there's a lot of help out there. And just get involved into NA meetings, AA meetings. And there's also family meetings, you know. And and there you will learn that that you are not alone, because I thought that I'm alone. Nobody have the problems that I have, but there's actually people there that have far worse problems than you have and what I had. But I pray to God that you will reach out and that you know there's Yelp and to the family members of addicts, don't give up on them. Pray and know God, God yell prayers. So today I'm, I'm just very grateful for what I have. Today I have everything that I want to have. Being happy, being with my family, my children, and have my own house that God blessed me with. And and I didn't pay a cent for this house. It was a blessing from the Lord, because I gave my best and and, and telling people that the only way is with your higher power, with God, Jesus Christ, you know? And, And yeah, I wish you all the best of luck. And... Just give you all to a program and know that there is hope and there is a world out there. So thank you very much. Love you all.
0: Thank you, William. And uh, next week, uh, we're going to have another guest speaker coming on. And his name is David. And he's going to tell us his story. And also another speaker, Jacques, who is going to share a little bit about his story as well. But next week is going to be about beginning of the journey of recovery into remission. And I look forward to having you with me then. Until then, keep safe, keep cool, and remember, keep it clean.